Alright, alright. Show. This is Midwest Coast Bias. I'm Ty, and with me as always is Matt. Good to see you, everyone. Nice to listen to you, hear you. Hear your friendly voice, your dulcet tones. Well, we're going to start with some uh, some really breaking news. Um, we're going to talk about the Patriots and uh, the punishment for Balghazi. Um, which, which, by the way, I greatly prefer to the very tired Deflate Gate because uh, <laughs> Gate is Watergate was the name of the hotel. Right. Yeah. It the just gate. it just gets attached to everything, and now there's just really there's nothing unique or creative about it. It's just actually trying to set the context for something devious. So uh-huh. yeah, I'm I'm all, I'm I'm kind of done with that. Although Gazi is kind of starting to take that mantle from Gate. I feel like we're starting to attach Gazi to things. So it's just it's, it's much funnier. Oh, it's well, they're both ridiculous. <laughs> Although I would argue that Gazi is um, just a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. It's more of a sensitive subject, right? Sure. Lives were lost. That's what. That's that's yeah. Okay, fair enough. I was gonna say that's what makes it funnier, but now then you like put the black you put the black hammer on my head. Sorry, so like... <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to jump right in front of your. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Too soon. Too well, soon. yeah, that's a that's a forever too soon type of thing. Which is also a blog I want to start about things you just can't talk about, but it'll be a place where I get to talk about them. All right, I like it. Forever too soon. So yeah, I don't have a ton to say about it because whatever. All right, who cares? Um, but I do have one thing that I wanted to mention, and the fact that to me, to my way of thinking, there's a very simple statement that Tom Brady can make right off the bat when the report comes out that sort of clears him without him, you know being an outright liar and all he has to say is yeah i prefer a flatter ball and i always tell the guys to get it as flat as they legally can manage or as flat as they, he doesn't even have to say legally he could just say i to always tell the guys to get the ball as flat as they're allowed yeah or whatever and that's it and that's it yeah say nothing else yeah yeah because the rest puts it on <laughs> those those poor i don't want to say unwitting but those those poor guys who actually did the dirty work right if, right. if that's what we're going to decide that really happened here, it's that those guys were guilty of it. But, I mean, you can take a step back and realize that Tom knows what PSI he prefers and probably was very prescriptive about that. But you make a good point. If you just kind of admit to it, but without going into the specifics. Right. And and that's it. Put it to bed. Serve your, serve your suspension and, and let's move on. This goes back to something I said about A-Rod uh, years ago when he was going through his first, when he lied to Katie Couric. Mm, uh, yes. That why not just say the climate at the time led me to make some poor decisions? Why insist that you didn't do it? Yeah. Everyone knows you did. Yeah. I don't know what, and, it's almost like they don't realize that they're sacrificing face by doing that. In their mind, they think they're saving face by, by not owning up to it. I just want to know what percentage of people like are who buy buy the line of PR bullshit that comes out of an organization like the Patriots when they're like, "Oh, this is ambiguous language," or like the guy said, "Oh, the guy that called himself the Deflator was trying to lose weight." It's like, I mean, what was just wait, hit me in on. the what? fucking forehead with a tack hammer because <sighs> you must think that I can't. My brain doesn't function right. and needs some right. kind of jump start. What was his excuse about wanting to lose weight? I think I saw the headline but didn't even bother following it down the hole. Well, it wasn't his excuse. The the uh, I don't. I'm going to probably state who who specifically released the statement, but somebody from the Patriots, the team side, uh, maybe their attorney or their PR person or what have you. I don't remember. Said that the deflate the guy who called himself the deflator in those text messages. Oh, let's step back. So, did you read the text messages at all? No, I did not. 
Okay, so I'm not going to go over all of them. Uh, I'm sad that you didn't read them because there's like comedy gold in the text messages because these two dudes that are texting back and forth fucking hate Tom Brady. (laughs) And it's very clear. It's really funny. And the one like the guy talks about like Tom bitching about the balls and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I'm going to make the next one a fucking balloon. He says, (laughs) he's like, he uses the phrase like, fucking he's like uh, the one guy was asking him about you know how he was feeling about it i'll tell you he's like fucking watermelons coming (laughs) and fucking fucking watermelons coming is a phrase that i want to somehow work into my regular it's so yeah i don't i'm trying to think of like what's the perfect context for that or the most unexpected context for that i don't know i mean you know maybe it's just something simple as if you're at a nice summer family cookout and somebody's bringing the fruit out (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I mean, that's that's a good place to start. Yeah. But it, as a metaphor for something else, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So these guys hate Tom Brady and his bitching about the balls and whatever. And he even says, like, you know, uh, there's an exchange about him being under stress from all of having to do it because he probably has a very short period of time in order to, you know, after the officials inspect the balls. Right. And so for the lawyer to come back and then say that what they were talking about was something other than what they were clearly talking about, it's just... Like I said, it's insulting as a fan. And the Patriots, I, look, man, the, the, the punishment is insane. Um, But we clearly, it's very obvious that Goodell doesn't know what he's doing. So I don't know who anyone is surprised. Yeah, Goodell's not going to, it doesn't feel like Goodell's going to get anything right. And it's like, when at what point do you start basically putting down a rule book and, and starting to weigh these things against each other? Because each other? everything seems so arbitrary. It's just like, oh, I'm feeling like this is, you know, five games. I'm feeling like that is eight games. There's just no, there's just no rhyme or reason to what he's doing. Well, if it, he just needs to, like, uh, if he's going to adjudicate, he needs to write his opinions, like the Supreme Court, so that there's a body of work that he can then lean on. Yeah. So that he's not trying to make it up every time uh, on the fly. Yeah, and that's what that's. You're right. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. If he's gonna do if he's gonna do the work of a, ju- a judiciary body, then he needs to do the work of a judiciary body. He can't half ass it. Yeah. I wonder and why it would be great. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to read the Goodell opinion on on, on Balgazi. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least there's there's an opinion, right? At least there's something you can point back to and get a feel for what to expect and how do you start to make things consistent. Right. But he doesn't care. But he doesn't care. Yeah. The money I think he's just a dumb guy, honestly. I do too. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's just some dumb guy. Yeah, and he's 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 there for the owners to make money for the league, and that's all he, that's all he needs to do. Don't worry I'm about sure it. They tell else. him that all the time. They probably remind him of that all the time. Did you see that South Park where they basically, you know, this was right after the Ray Rice thing, and they basically set the stage for Goodell just goes and reports into the owners all the time. That's they, he's their puppet. The only one I saw NFL related on uh, South Park was it the Redskins one? Is that what you're talking about? No, this was uh, Ray Rice related. Oh, Ray Rice, you said that. You just said that. Oh, I'm clearly not listening while I was drinking my bourbon. That's all right. <laughs> well, did you have anything else to say on this topic? Because I don't. Well, I'm just trying to think of like the legacy. What what does it do to the legacy? Unfortunately, it tarnishes it forever. Yeah, I think it. I think it's too big to ignore. I mean, you can. I, I don't know how much deflating the ball impacts the game. I mean, I can guess that it's easier to catch and easier to throw, and that's a big part of what Tom Brady is in the business of doing. But, like, how... how I, I'm, I'm searching for the analytics of it, right? 
Um, it probably cuts down on turnovers, right? Yeah, that's that's that, the biggest argument is that they don't fumble. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, and if you look at their turnover rate, probably over the course of the last five or six years, it's probably going to be something that jumps out to you. I would say it's actually a little bit harder to catch a deflated ball because it has more elasticity when it hits your hands. And maybe that sounds counterintuitive, but it sort of if it if it if it compresses too much, it feels like it's hard to hold on to. But um, I know that sounds I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I can't explain it. Yeah. Also, an oh, but an overinflated ball is also a problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of which I would rather have. I guess it depends on. Well, I mean, if you got, oh, got guys who it's, are, are professionals at catching catching the ball, they're they're um, it's like an overinflated ball doesn't forgive bad timing when it comes to catching. You know what I mean? Like when you when you're catching with two hands and you 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 make that grab at the perfect time. Um, if it's not perfect, I think an overinflated ball would probably be less forgiving. But I don't know. That's probably yeah, that's correct. I mean, especially if you're early. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of the world of sports, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the right way, in my opinion. All the rules of life is a big thing for me, right? I like I like the societal rules. Things like um, don't try to get on the elevator until I've gotten off. This is let's just let our Larry David out. Come on, this is <laughs> this is the, one of the things that connects us so strongly is yes. the frustration with the lack of of buying into this. The, the social contract and all the little nuances that go along with it. The, the, I will, oh man, now you're going to send me off on a tangent as it relates to getting on and off the elevator because that is one of my biggest ones. It bugs the crap out of me. Well, the thing is the door, it, all doors are out first. If there's a, is there con, if there's a conflict, that's the agreed upon yield because the, the reason is, is very simple. I know. There could be a fire or a monster or at this point, a shooter inside where I'm coming out of. Yes. So you let me out regardless of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Let me out first and I'll probably tell you what shit is going down. Right. Yeah. I, I have the same frustration on the L probably once or twice a week where the lake the lake stop on the red line is the busiest stop. It stops like right in the heart of downtown Chicago. And when it's busy during rush hour, people stand by the doors. It's packed. You do you do what you got to do. But there are fools who don't step out and allow people to go out. Because you have this mass exodus. You have two by right. two just exiting, pouring out the door. And there will be fools who just like, you know what? I'm standing by the door. You guys going to have to work around me. That drives me bananas. Anyway, well, we're off topic already. Swept off the train. Well, that's fine. Yeah. But So I want to talk about what I think are the correct protocols for offering your friends uh tickets and it could be tickets to sporting events um tickets to whatever it doesn't really matter secondary market tickets that you're coming from a, a person you know personally yes somebody you call a friend yes um and i'm of the mind that it's pretty simple like most things it just requires a little bit of forethought and pretty much clear communication which is to say when if you have tickets that you would like to offer me have a price in mind don't put me in the position of having to offer you something because that's fucking impossible. Right. And I'm kind of resenting you for not just giving me tickets you can't use anyway. And it, don't, there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, NFL tickets, I would never expect somebody to give me. They're just too expensive. Right. Baseball tickets, I feel a little bit differently about. But regardless, like, I guess I'm just, I, the tickets I give away are always from seasons for me, season packages. So I'm always just like, whatever, just take them because the money's gone anyway. Right. Um, but 
I just, I, you know, had a, a ticket situation recently where somebody offered me tickets and I said, well, I might be able to do that. What do you want for them? And I'm like, oh, something between what I'd sell them for on StubHub and what I paid for them. And I'm like, hey, don't, what am I going to say at that point? Right. Well, I want to offer you the cheapest price because we're friends. Yeah. It, it just puts you in a, an extremely awkward position. Yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's just be forthright and know what yeah. you, like as the person who's offering, just know what you want out of it. And if you don't want anything out of it, say that like right up front. Hey, I have extra tickets for the game to the, for the Mariners game tonight. I don't want anything for them. Case closed. Or, I mean, just, are you offering me a deal, or are you offering me first right of refusal? Just be clear. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's really it. There's not much there, I guess. No, I wish we could argue about that, but no, there's really nothing to argue about. Yeah, it it's just, be be upfront with it. That's that's what I would say. We had a um, a guy on our, our Garbage Time thread recently. He, he put up some tickets for Game 6 of the Bulls game. Remember that? Um, mm-hmm. And he was very... He was very forthcoming. He, he was basically saying, hey, I will sell these for what I paid for them. I want you guys to have first first look at them, basically. So he, he right. did it He did it perfectly. He said, here's how much money I want, and I'm giving you guys first rights of, right of refusal. And that, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. yeah, I sold a Seahawks ticket because I ended up getting another one during the playoffs, and I sold a single, and I was like, I can't recall. I think I sold it for what I paid for it. I was like, I don't care to make money. I, I just want somebody else to be able to go who I know is a Seahawks fan. Right, right. Like, I didn't buy these as an investment property. Yeah, 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 I don't, I, yeah, well, not everybody knows how to handle the business. But that said, that said, though, like, let's say you have Seahawks. I have a, a friend with Seahawks season tickets, and he also, he, he lives in a different city, um, and he, those tickets have now become a fairly large source of income for him since he can't attend. Yeah. And so I often ask him, I'll say, hey, I'd like to go to this game. Do you, can I get your tickets? Yeah. And I always say, what do you want for them? And he's always the guy's like, I don't like to make money off friends. So, um, you know, uh, here's the price. It's always very reasonable. Yeah. And I always actually feel a little guilty because I know that I'm actually taking money out of his pocket. Yeah. But um, you're also but you're also making it easy for him, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah that's correct. That, he doesn't have to deal with somebody. He doesn't have to. Exactly. He doesn't have to worry about StubHub taking a chunk out. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, some fool being weird on PayPal, whatever the case may be. He knows he can trust you. So that's like, that's like worth the service charge in and of itself, right? Yeah. So I guess the bottom line of this is all rules are the golden rule. Yeah, exactly. And just be, (laughs) just be, just be open about like what you expect for it. And as the person who's on the other end of that, don't be afraid. I would say don't be afraid to say exactly what you're thinking. If somebody's being ambiguous about price or are they free or are they not free? Like all that weirdness, like... I would say just ask all those questions up front. What do you want for them? And then if they get yeah, a little see, totally, get a little weird, I'm totally the other way. No. Oh, you? Think- I like to pull. I just I pull. No, I pull the ripcord. I'm just like, oh, you're difficult. I'm out. No thanks. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Unless I really want to go, then I'll ask. Yeah, yeah. I would but just I would just get after it early, and if I'm not feeling it, you know, at least I at least I knew what I I passed on. So, yeah. All right. All right, well, um, I wanted to talk about one other thing before we get to our main topic for the show. Oh, my God. Which, uh, I know, right? So excited. So, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. Um, but so I mentioned to you that uh, I get – well, I didn't tell you this part, but I get a – I carry a handicap, so I get a golf magazine from the WSGA I don't, every month. I don't know. They just, they just come. I don't know. Okay. Okay. 
I didn't ask for any magazine. They just show up. That's all right. You sign up for stuff. Magazines show up at your door. All right. People sell your phone number. Creeps call your phone and hang up. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, you know what? It's funny because I have I thought about whether we should talk about how can you be an avid golfer, an avid golf fan, and not come off as a sanctimonious prick all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just predisposed. And, and it's probably... From the snobs versus slobs movies that I just enjoy so much. Like, I'm just predisposed to resenting golf. And it's not even fair. I don't even have a really good reason for it. And I'm actually okay at golf. If I if I had the time and money to throw into it, I could be okay at golf. Not as good as I am at watching hockey. But I could be pretty good at golf. But I'm just, I'm just not interested in it right now. You know what I mean? It's just not my thing right now. It's like the only thing I do out of the house at this point. That's that's great. I was actually thinking about going to the driving range tonight before we decided to do this. Because I love putting on tunes, taking a, let's say a 22 out, 22, not a gun, but a... <laughs> I hate golf. A so tall I, boy. So I shoot fools at a driving or range. Or a double. No. You know, a couple of beers out there and, you know, listen to my iTunes and smack the ball around. Feels good. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> then I get a magazine nice. about golf. Nice. And in this magazine, there are print ads by a man, or well, not by a man, but rather featuring a man named Brandel Shambly. I don't know who That's, that is, but I, I let's. Can you say it for me? <laughs> Brandel, <laughs> hold on. <clears throat> Brandel Shambly. Your yes. your white Audi. Oh, I'm sorry. Your white Audi is double parked. Brandel Shambly. There you go. <laughs> So yeah, Brandel. See, Shambly. I already want to punch this guy. I... Right? Because that's the worst. You're the worst. Your name is Brandel Shambly. Yeah. There's no way you're cool to hang out with. No. So Brandel Shambly is the uh, ambassador of Scottsdale Golf. So he basically works for the Board of Tourism for Arizona. Okay. Scottsdale promotes a lot of golf. A lot of good golf in Arizona, right? Yeah. Obviously, they got the weather and they grow that crazy desert grass and the ball rolls forever. It's probably the, I would say it's probably the perfect place to play golf. It's well. I mean, yeah, it, I guess it depends on what kind of course you like, right? And what sure. kind of backdrop. For me, I'd love to play in the desert. I yeah, I agree. But I think that I mean, whatever. The southeast is probably the best for golf. I'm, I'm always jealous, and I never get to see what that's about. You're, see what that's you're like. right. You're right. Side side oh. note. Oh, side story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. take off topic because that's what this whole thing is for. Um, we went down to South Carolina last March, hmm. and we stayed by. I can't remember the name of the golf course, but it is a very famous golf course on Kiowa Island and it's mm-hmm. one of it's one of the one of the biggies and it's the one where they always have like alligators on the course and shit like that uh it was epic it was unbelievably beautiful and it was a great place to stay i would highly recommend that you and your family go down there and do that someday because when the time of year we went it was affordable we, mm-hmm. we also dro- drove cuz we're lunatics but you, that wouldn't be something you could do um but anyway like it was just an unbelievable like spot to spend time outside of someone who doesn't play golf. That's good to know because Kiowa Island's been on the list for a while, mm. both as a, I think South Carolina's a really underrated family vacation destination. Yeah, totally. We had a, we had a great time in Charleston. Like the, everything about the experience was was really really good. And if I were a golfer, I'm sure I would be like, honey, let's go again next year. So this reminds me of something that I've always thought about South Carolina that I'm going to share with you and our listeners that think that makes me laugh is this incongruity of the state flag pride in South Carolina being that palm tree with the moon. What? Okay. You not know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I I love that flag. 
and the fact that those there's also a lot of stars and bars and that the palm the the, the palm tree and the moon is just very yeah it's, it feels arabian it feels like something you would see i mean i think that there are what i think there are definitely arab countries with a palm tree and a moon on their flag yeah yeah mm, definitely a moon i don't know about a palm tree though palm tree seems a little uh what's the word i'm looking for maybe relaxed for those nations <laughs> That always reminds me of uh, uh, Black Hawk Down when they're talking about the beach in Somalia. Never saw it. Sorry. I know. What? What? <laughs> I don't know what to say. How's that even possible? I, somebody I, honestly, burned I, don't... I have like a burned copy sitting in that drawer right over there that I never watched. It was like 15 years ago. All right. I don't I, I don't even know how to comprehend. I, yeah, I know. Well, one of the things, well, the, the good news is we both saw the movie we're getting ready to talk about, right? But right. We, we never, yeah. Your your references are often lost on me. All right. Sorry. Well, good to know. Sorry. So back to Brandel Shambly. So there's this campaign for Scottsdale Golf that is his rules of his rules for Scottsdale Golf. And this is rule number one. And it says, never forget your camera because the scenery is spectacular. And he is leaning um, with his elbow up on the shoulder of what's clearly the drink car girl. She's, of course, in a you know fitted top. And he's leering at her. Um so it's it's just really it's creepy as hell first of all because if you work it backwards what he's saying is don't forget your camera to take pictures of the hot drink girls yeah yeah which what is the matter with you don't you think though that that's kind of partially ingrained into the i can see it in into the uh i know but i also wanted you to see that this girl's kind of weirdly busted and i'm surprised that this is the one they chose for the yeah all right. Yeah, but don't you not think to that be is... critical? That's not nice. Of no, me. that's not. You're worse than him. Uh, don't okay. you think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the golf culture, though? I mean, how many? You... Come on, what percentage of golf cart girls have been an attempt by someone to parade out a piece of ass to get you to buy more drinks? Well, I mean. It's, I would say it's the rule, rule rather than the exception, generally. Exactly. I haven't golfed that much, but it's always accompanied by a cute or an attemptedly cute beer cart girl. That's that's part I of guess, the culture. I guess, I guess I'm upset because I felt like that was... Now, well, it wasn't. It was an open secret, but you shouldn't make an ad campaign that, that, that highlights it. I, I think... Well, and really what I'm upset about is, never, don't forget to bring your camera. <laughs> that's the thing I'm upset about. Is like, I don't oh, because, because it's, car- it's turning into... Um, it, it's towing the line of I don't know. Don't like it's like, so. Don't forget to bring your camera to take some creep shots of this girl and then hide them from your wife. Right, right. I guess that's that's what that's, I'm getting. That's out of the it. problem. Yes, that's yes. where it goes too far. I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like every other other part of it is totally allowable in this publication that is focused on a group of dudes. Let's just be straight about it. It's a bunch of dudes who understand and maybe to some degree appreciate that aspect of the golf culture but they went just one step too far in basically saying take pictures of the girl perv yeah exactly when you make it pervy then it makes me unable mm-hmm. to enjoy it so now you have now associated me with people i don't want to be associated right with. right 
So this is why I get I, this is what I get upset about in life. It's like, hey, 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 I like this thing. Don't make it weird for me. <laughs> yeah, they just it just reflected poorly on you through Correct. no action of your own. Right. <laughs> yeah, I hate I just, that. And the thing is, that's I don't like. That's what I don't like about the golf culture. That's why I said about like it's hard to not feel like a, like some kind of sanctimonious asshole. Yeah. And I know that's what you know. You talked about the the movie dynamics and stuff, but I just like the sport. I just like to play the sport. I enjoy it. I find it challenging. I find it extremely rewarding when it's when i ex- execute it well yeah in the same i think of golf actually a lot way that i think of a uh, tabletop bar shuffleboard mm. i like it for the same reasons i love tabletop bar shuffleboard. it's challenging so and execution is extremely rewarding yeah yeah um this is probably a topic for a future podcast but i'd like to dig down further into whether or not golf is a sport because I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. That seems like a, that seems like a dead horse that there's. It is. I don't know that we're gonna beat anything new out of. So well, but you're calling it a sport. Do you think it's I play a, sport? a lot? Of, I play I play a lot of golf, uh, and I'll tell you that the fitter I am, the better I feel when I'm playing. Okay, but you're not fitter because you're playing golf. It's not exercise. Mm-hmm. So if you want to say all sports are exercise, I actually think golf is the one thing that is a game. It is also a sport. Yeah. Because it requires a tremendous amount of coordination. Yeah. And you would never say that hitting a baseball isn't sport. Right. And you can be a fat guy and hit a baseball. Yeah. So, but you're generally better at it also if you're fit in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I, I as I've gotten older, I guess the, the criteria for the sport has been for me, does it require fitness? So like, yeah, darts is not a sport. Not a sport. Pool, not a sport. Nope. No, so po- you know all that other stuff. That's it's sports tangential yeah. stuff they show on ESPN. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean maybe we don't need to do a podcast on it. Cause I'm pretty sure I just solved the fucker. Yeah, I'm still not solving. <laughs> you you made the argument that you're better at it when you're more fit. Yeah. But you I, but it doesn't work the other way. You you don't get. Well, let me let me say this properly, articulate it properly. You. You don't get fitter by playing more of it. No, but that's the definition of exercise, not sport. Well, don't you feel like, and you, you made the point about the, the baseball players, but at least they have to run around the bases. That's why I don't like the DH. Well, in professional golf, you have to walk. Yeah. I, I walk when I play almost always. I very rarely ride a cart. That's good. That's good. All right, let's not beat this dead horse. All right. Now, let's move on to the main event. Yes. All right. So, for some reason, through some confluence of magical circumstance... This is probably never going to happen again, by the way. The fact that maybe this, not. this happened. So, I think we've talked about it before, but you and I have both have two small children. Um, I basically don't ever go to the movies for, one, philosophical reasons, because I very rarely feel like it's worth my time, given the advent of HGTV, large televisions, and the ability for stream most things on demand that we'll eventually get to watch in the comfort of my own home. Yes. Um, so I don't like the theater when my wife and I have time away from the house, uh, the kids, but I still like seeing movies. So you and I both had a chance to see on Friday, Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road, the fourth installment in the uh, George Miller epic about Max Rakitan- Rakitansky, Rakitansky, Rakitansky. I think Rakitansky. I think Rakitansky. Yeah. Um, and so what were the circumstances in which you were able to see it? 
Well, I had a slow day at work kind of already carved out. <laughs> Shit, wait, hold on. Should we put it, be, be recording this and, and putting it in public? No, no, because I went with my work <laughs> friends. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody knew it was slow. Um, and I had one meeting that was supposed to be at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. And around 8.30, 8.45 that morning, it got canceled. So my day just got blown wide open. And there was one other guy that I'd been talking to in the office about this movie. And he happened to be on the same meeting and had basically the same schedule ahead of him. So we decided, you know, let's walk down Michigan Avenue like five minutes away and go go catch this movie. Let's just do it. Let's not tell anybody about it. Let's not try and make up an excuse. Let's just go. It also worked out that... Um, the boss had an extended lunch with the client, basically in the time frame that we were going to be at the movie. So it all, well everything lined up and it was just like, let's just go be unapologetic about it. So what were what were your circumstances? I was lucky enough that the organization that I work for was hosting some clients as well as vendors at the theater for a quick briefing. And so I was able to attend that. And uh, it was actually cool because we got to see it at like nine in the morning. That's awesome. Well, the only thing that I want to say before we really get into the, the details of this is that the image of you that you posted on Facebook on Friday, I have to say that I did, I mean, this was before I realized that we were both going to see this movie the same day. And I had, on one hand, I was very entertained by the, the image you posted of yourself in some sort of um, aircraft in front of it was Tomorrow the, uh, World. It was the- it was the George Clooney movie, the Tomorrowland um, standee with a, a little jet in front of like a cloud screen in the back. Yes, I was thrilled that you did that and I cracked up. And then when I started to realize that you were at the movies that day, I started to get really disappointed in you that you didn't go see Fury Road. I thought you went to see Tomorrowland, even though it's not out yet. I didn't know that. But I thought you went <laughs> right. to see Tomorrowland and I was I was really disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> but then you texted me last night and, and we I realized that oh we both saw we both saw the right movie yesterday. So That's amazing. Anyway, um beside that, I, I mean I don't have like specific talking points about it other than then than the fact that I was pretty overwhelmed by it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um I really pretty much haven't stopped thinking about it in the last forty eight hours and I'm excited to go see it again. Um, I saw okay. it. I saw it in 3D. I'd never seen a movie in more modern 3D. I was fine with it. Usually, that's the type of gimmick that I feel like is going to get in the way. Um, I thought it was a little unnecessary myself, having seen it in 3D. Also, yeah, I did. I I can't say I can't say I was I was annoyed by it. I don't know how much it brought, but I don't feel like it detracted anything. Okay. So, but by and large, I feel like. Based on my love of the movie The Road Warrior, this was a wonderful, you know, kind of second take. Not, I don't even want to call it second take, but it, it really had all the hallmarks of what made that movie great for me, and I was I was absolutely over the moon about it. I, I like I said, I, I it might be a movie that I buy. Okay. Yeah. So I I feel um, I guess I'm as satisfied with my theater going experience. Uh, as far as like the quality of the film and just everything to do with uh, the movie itself, except for the fact I don't feel the same way. I don't, I don't, I don't care to see it again. It's not. It's. I don't know why. 
Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was visually stunning. Uh, the plot was great. And as far as like, uh, so for some context, have you seen all three uh, previous Mad Max movies? Yeah, I've seen them all. Okay, me too. And I've even seen, you know, the weird one, right? The first one? Yeah, the first which one. is almost nonsensical and really. Well, I feel like it's absolutely 100% necessary that that movie exists because yeah, it's, for sure. it's pre-apocalypse and it basically mm-hmm. sets up Max's. You know, it's the cops heads- versus gangs thing. Well, yeah. and it's Max's headspace. It's it's basically okay. why Max ends up thinking and acting and feeling the way he does, right? Right. Um. So yeah, it. it I watched that movie at a very strange time, at a very strange age. I feel like when I watched it, I was too young to watch it. I was probably mm-hmm. like ten or eleven, and I shouldn't have been watching that movie. And it it stuck with me in a really really weird way. Not only is mm-hmm. that movie just super raw in the way that it's shot mm-hmm. but it's also super raw in the way that things are executed in that movie mm-hmm. just from a, a a plot and and a thematic sense that it, it just left a really weird feeling inside of me as, as a kid that's kind of stuck with me all the way to my old age whereas okay. whereas with like the road warrior it was more just <laughs> I don't want to call it fun because it's still <laughs> super dystopian, post-apocalyptic. Like the themes that you're seeing within that movie are, when you really boil them down and think about them, they're very frightening. Um, but just the way that it was executed and the more, I guess, whiz-bang, crash-up, diesel-and-dust type of feel of the whole movie, I would almost mm-hmm. com- I would almost compare the two to Alien versus Aliens, right? Okay. Like yeah, yeah. Alien that's good, was I think that's a really much good more subdued and frightening in a in a slow burn way, whereas mm-hmm. Aliens got right up in your face and scared the mm-hmm. shit out of you. I like them and both the third... for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And then yeah, no. In the in the instance of the third one, they're both pretty terrible. Yeah, absolutely. But I think yeah. when I when I like when I watched when I watched the third one, the third Mad Max, I was at at the age where I was just craving anything Mad Max Mad Max related. Because I, I was I just, still so I also high think like this. On, on Road Warrior. I love Road Warrior. Yeah, it's a great movie. I also think that uh, Beyond Thunderdome came out at the height of what I would call sort of the corny 80s action genre. Yeah. Like mid-80s. mid, eight, mid 80s. Um, Maybe not the height, but close to it. And it's one of those things where they just punt. They, you know, they we're going to make another Mad Max movie. But really all you're doing, you're not considering sort of the world that's been built by the two previous movies. You're simply... It's like a period piece. It could be happening. You know what I mean? It's it's not related to the other movies, in, except for the fact that it occurs with that same character in the same universe. But it's not... This movie I liked because it was a continuation of the thematic elements of the first two, especially as they, in regards to Max. Would Tom Hardy have 20 lines? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the perfect Max in that he was totally a man of action and, and a man of very few words. Well, right, and if you do, think about it, if you spent time by yourself and you were haunted by the ghosts of, of you know, your past, that you wouldn't talk to people. Yeah. You wouldn't, even when you were around them, you wouldn't talk to yeah. them, especially when the only time you interact with them, you're a captive. Yeah, and you're, and you're predisposed to not wanting to develop a relationship with anyone, because relationships end in pain. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mind, you know, I, I was hoping that they weren't going to try too hard to connect all the dots and say, okay, here's here's how much time has passed, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm glad that, that they just, it was like, it was almost, um, 
it was almost James Bond esque in a way, in that the old James Bond movies were just like, okay, what's Bond up to now? We know, mm-hmm. we know, it's he, timeless. It's it's absolutely timeless, exactly, and one does not borrow from the next, generally speaking. Um, and it's it's yeah, it felt it felt very you know almost like a comic book in that way to some degree. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like absolutely. Hey, hey, I have a great idea for a story. Here's a character that we know people love. Let's go with let's let's put him in that story. What I really enjoyed about it was just it was amazingly well executed. All of the concepts. Um, all the concepts that I thought were going to, you know, based on the trailer, I was like, I want to see this. And I also don't want to see this because I don't believe in movies like that have the ability to be good. It just be sometimes, you know, we see a lot when it becomes about the visual spectacle, we lose all sense of, you know, plot or what the character motivations are. Right. But this was almost exclusively a character driven movie just surrounded by explosions, which was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, Miller had done it before with the Road Warrior. Because right. that was an over-the-top action movie, but he was able to set up a full context that made you really, really care about you mm-hmm. know getting that tanker out and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that came with it. Um, yeah, in in the case of in the case of Fury Road, I thought it was cast extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. it, you're absolutely right, though. It could have been one of those movies that just collapsed under its own weight either from an action standpoint or, well, not from a star standpoint, but definitely from an action standpoint. But I think the fact that he stayed true and, and avoided CG mm-hmm. for the majority of the movie, I'm, I'm sure there's a handful of CG, or there, there's definitely some CG in there. But when it comes to the stunts, as mm-hmm. it relates to the, the road chases, he st- stayed pretty pure to, you know, basically... <laughs> I, I was reading an article about the guy who was um, the lead mechanical engineer i'll call him basically the mm-hmm. guy who was on the hook for developing and creating all of the automobiles and and he he created two of everything mm-hmm. and he had he had 86 different unique vehicles so you're looking at is that 172 vehicles that he had to maintain and the creativity that went into some of that stuff and the mm-hmm. absolute craftsmanship that went, went into some of that stuff that's the stuff that when you see it on screen it makes you realize like what CG lacks to some degree. I would absolutely. Well, there's a physicality that you don't get. Yeah. Everything looks elastic. Yeah. And, um, and in, in some, some cases too polished and too clean. And, mm-hmm. and that, that was never going to play in this movie. So the fact that Martin decided, all right, let's go full on real deal with all this stuff. I think paid huge dividends. In the end. Absolutely. I think that, um, there was actually, I never think of this in movies for the most part, but in this movie, more than once, I was like, I would have no idea how to even consider how to film this. So what they're, what I'm being shown right now, I would never understand how you'd be able to produce this without the heavy aid of computers. Yeah. Um, and it was just, there was some really amazing stunt work. The movie flowed extremely well for a two hour movie. Um, I never, I was never bored, although I was. There were a couple of times where it did start to feel a little repetitive. But what else are you going to do, right? You have a limited scope of how people can interact. Yeah. Um, not re- and, and again, not in a bad way. I'm not dissatisfied. I guess it's just that I don't know what... Again, the, remember I told you after afterwards, I was like, I really like that. But I'm not 
as in love with it, like as I want it to be, as as you seem to be, or as you described to me early on that you you know couldn't wait to see it again and all that. And um, I could I can't put my finger on what's mi- what was missing for me. Yeah, because I loved everything about it. I don't I can't think of a way you could make it better. So even when I sit here and try to articulate the fact that um, I didn't, you know, there's something missing for me, or that it, it seemed like there were certain parts about it that. Uh... See, I can't even. I, yeah. I can't even begin well, to articulate. Well, I mean, don't don't put it on yourself to try and articulate it because it doesn't. You don't have it. You don't have to want to see it again for it to be a good movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Some movies can just have taken place. You enjoyed it. You know it was awesome. And and that's it. You know you're not going to get anything more about it, or I'm sorry, you're not going to get anything more out of it. And that makes me think like, what what more do I think I'm going to get out of it? I, I I couldn't say. I'm sure there's nothing there's nothing I missed. You know, it was all pretty much in your face. Um, it's not like there were any subtleties or, or lines that really you know would influence things for me. But I I think it's just one of those movies that I could absolutely just go back to and just enjoy again and again. Yeah, I, you know, and I guess to go to circle back to the point I was making earlier on too was that having seen the trailer, I was like, okay, so that guy is playing a guitar, and it, the guitar the guitar is a flamethrower. Like, what purpose could that possibly serve? And then in the movie, it made perfect sense. I had no issues with it whatsoever, yeah. and I don't want to get into it too detailed. You know, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Right? Yeah, I don't want to. No, I don't. Ruin I, don't it for th- people. I don't think he ruined it for anyone. Um, yeah. No, but in the context of the movie, I didn't even feel like it needed to be questioned. It was like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. When I first saw it, I was in the trailer. I was I think it made me drool. I'm like, oh, this is crazy, over the top yeah, yeah, wildness. Yeah. Oh my god, what? Where did that come from? Why would you want that? And they paid it off really, really well in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, I was again, I was I was pretty over the top with it. I don't know, you know, I, I made mention earlier about that might be a movie I buy. I don't know if it'd be mm-hmm. good to buy, but I think I would like to see it in the theater a couple more times because mm-hmm. it demands it demands that sort of forum. You know? Definitely. It'll be great like if you had a, a robust home theater situation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Oh, I, I do wanna You said the casting. Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh well I was gonna I was gonna bring up one more Point about this article that I that I started to read on Friday, then I started rolling my eyes and couldn't go on with it. But um, there are bloggers. There, there, there's there's some blog blogger from some men's group out there who who said that this uh, that the movie felt like feminist propaganda to him. Um, <laughs> and for those for those listening, Ty just gave a deep, deep disappointed eye roll um, because I, I don't. As I, I I read that article right before I went in and saw the movie, so to some degree it was top of mind, and it felt like such a stretch. I mean, I could I could see moments where you know the, the there were a handful of things in there that you could extrapolate extrapolate to the the nth degree and maybe turn that into an argument for feminist propaganda, but it felt pretty ab- absurd. And I think also this guy was reacting to the fact that Charlize Theron has all the lines. But we kind of co- we just covered that, you know. There's a reason Max doesn't have. There's all a the reason, lines. right? He shouldn't be talking. There's no reason for him to be talking. It made all the sense in the world. As a matter of fact, every time he would say something, I'd be like, "Oh, he said something." <laughs> yeah, it worked really well as a, as a as a plot device, frankly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let me guess. Let me guess that this jackass is points. Um, that all the men are either portrayed as 
like bloodthirsty lunatics or complete followers with no minds of their own, and that only the women are able to see reality for what it is. Is that does that come up in the article? I'm pulling it up now, but you're you're on the right track. That's ridiculous. Um, this guy was also reacting. I finally have the article up to the All fact right. that George Miller asked. Um, Eve Ensler, who wrote the vagina monologues, to consult with the five actresses who play the sex slaves in the film. It's just like this guy was just wait, wait. searching for something. God forbid you get a woman to consult with you on your character that are characters that are women. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say about this this guy. I wish we weren't talking about him. I wish I hadn't brought him up because yeah, you're the, you've he's, he's an one. idiot. The <laughs> other thing about this article, which, which I read on CNN. Um, oh, shocker. Exactly. Um, they, they position this guy as a well-known men's right, rights activist. Oh, okay. So he's a self-identified douchebag. Right. But but here, but allow well, me. It's just, important to know. It's important to know this, that. He's, hold, on. He's, hold on. I'm a douche. A well-known men's rights activist blogger. And then mm. later they mention his name and they say author Aaron Clary. And I'm like, wait a second. Is he a blogger or an author? Because if you're... <laughs> If you're calling this blogger an author, that's like calling me, I don't know, a late night DJ because I do a podcast. It's not well, the maybe same he wrote thing. some shithead book. I don't know. He's a, he's a blogger. All right. Anyway. Well, that guy that guy sucks. Yeah, and that guy sucks. It, I don't know what he's And first of all, uh, he needs to understand that uh, in a post-apocalyptic society, a a childbearing woman would be a thing that would be very important to society in general. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 context of the in the context of the movie, I never felt like the plot was a stretch. No, not at all. And that was the other thing is when you look at the the plot of the movie, it was pretty simple, and it was pretty it was straightforward, simple. and it let mm-hmm. the and it let the action and the characters really, it pushed them to the forefront. And you can have a simple plot and not that does that's not a disparaging thing. Sometimes a there simple was plot almost... is great. There was almost zero exposition in the movie. Yeah. Events and the way people interacted told you everything you needed to know about what was going on. Yeah. 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 I loved it. Like they would just talk to each other about stuff in a way that didn't require them to be explaining it to the audience. They would just simply say it in the way that you would say it in that moment. And that's a really impressive feat of writing. I don't know who did the script. Is it if George Miller is a you know writer and director? Yeah. He, he wrote some of it, but I think he had some other guys. Um, Maybe even some women helping him out. <laughs> what a what an asshole! Yeah, it failed. I'd be curious to know how. Um, how do I say this without sound like a dickhead? Like, <laughs> like the people who like like the girl who got dragged to see this movie. You know, there's a girl out there who got. There are many girls out there who got dragged to see this movie. I would like to hear their take on. You know? Well, I'm gonna. How about I put some words in their mouth since you went ahead and brought it That's up? That's great. Yes, I'm guessing that an enlightened woman probably really enjoyed it in the sense that she saw got to watch a movie about strong female characters and they weren't necessarily dependent on the man to make it work. Yes, um, he just happened to be along for the ride. Yes, that they had their own stuff going on, you know, as characters, and it wasn't, you know, again centered around Max. Matter of fact, I I did think. Uh, at one point in the movie, I was like, there's no real reason for this movie to be called Mad Max other than he's a little bit in it. Yeah. Well, you're borrowing you're borrowing some equity there. Let's just face it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and known property. Known property. Yeah. Um, and I would guess that uh, 
a woman that wouldn't be able to recognize and appreciate what she was watching probably hated it. Yeah, yeah, I'd li- I'd like to talk to that woman, knowing that I hated it. One? Yeah, knowing that I no, never... you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to talk to. No, that woman. I do, knowing that I would never see her again. Like if it's if it's if it's the right situation where I know I'm never going to see this person again, um, I would really like to talk to her about it, so I could basically attempt to change her mind about it and then get frustrated and walk away. Yeah, I feel like roughly. Uh, are you familiar with the SNL sketch, the uh, the girl you wish you didn't start a, par- a conversation with at a party? Oh, I think so. She's a guest on Weekend Update every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that's exactly the girl. Yeah, I know exactly who doesn't. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. That's the fin- girl that doesn't like the movie. She doesn't finish a train of thought, and she's just totally an idiot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, sure. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> that's why I said you wouldn't want to talk to this girl that didn't like my back. Yeah, you're probably. Right. I could see now. I could also see there could be, you know. Uh, an intelligent, critical thinking female that said, you know, I I like the, I can appreciate things about it, but I didn't like it. Yeah. Maybe I'm just looking for the opportunity to enlighten someone about the movie. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, so I want to, yeah, because yeah. it's, it's totally easy to convince idiots of things they believe. Uh, you're right. It's an exercise in futility. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else, I guess, with just uh, four thumbs up. That's four, it. Thumbs four thumbs all the way up. Crammed yeah. all the way up. Yeah, it was Cram. it was just so good. I, I can't yeah. say enough good about it. And I was just so I was ready to turn around and go see it again, like right after I watched it. And I, I think I'd see it again in three D. There was only one part maybe I wouldn't see it again in three D. No, you I disagree. You thought you thought it was interruptive? No, I just didn't think it was necessary. It didn't enhance my enjoyment of of the movie in any way. Right. You just ended up wearing glasses. Yeah. I think there were I actually honestly had two parts where I, I like jerked my head back. Like, whoa, you know, kind of kind of freaked out about like a dirt clot or something. Um, but uh, I don't know. Other than that, I did kind of wonder what I was what I was missing. Like, is is, you know, what would it, I did wonder what it would look like in just normal definition, like instead of 3D. So I don't know. Maybe I'll go see it again in not 3D. Well, I guess that one other point I was make, too, is that going back to your comment about the casting, the only person I found distracting was uh, Rosie Huntington Whiteley. I don't know who that is. Let me look her up. She plays the, she's the lead of the, of the slave girls um, at the outside of the movie. Okay. She's the pregnant one. Okay. Yeah. Why was she distracted? Because I don't, for some reason I find not like distracting in a good way. Just, I couldn't get over, unlike the Tom Hardy thing where I didn't really think about it being Tom Hardy or even Charlie Theron. I couldn't stop thinking, well, that's Rosie Huntington Wiley. Yeah. And maybe that's because her name is Rosie Huntington Whiteley and I can't it's just I don't have so many, Yeah, I don't I don't have so many any, syllables. I just I don't have any exposure to that person. I have I have no idea who she is until you she brought it up. She she, she uh she dates uh, the Stafe. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I thought they did just on a, you know, you know, purely dude level here as long as we're going there. I thought they did a good job casting those ladies. There was a good variety of hot chicks there. That was it was definitely the variety pack. Yeah, it was it was it's weird to feel, you know, to <laughs> boil them down to their physical attributes in light of what the movie is about. It's, yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> I feel real guilty about it, but man, those were some hot chicks. I would like yeah. to own them as my property. Oh, see, I feel totally different about this right now that I have <laughs> daughters. Oh. I'm just like, oh god, I cannot. Anytime I'm confronted with the idea that any now, anytime now in entertainment, when I'm confronted the idea of um, teen sex, oh god, I am just 
Uh, yeah, see, see, for yeah. for our listeners, Matthew is covering his face with both his hands. There's a deep eye rub, a double palm yeah. eye rub. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to think about it. I, no, I'm not even close to being prepared to think or deal deal with that. I just, I feel like I'm going to be a murderer. I don't see any other way around it. <laughs> or you're just going to have to resign yourself to, it is, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, and you have to have faith in your abilities as a parent, you and, you and your, your lovely partner, that you're raising the right kids. And you're doing it right. You have to. I haven't forgotten what was involved in teenage years, and I feel like mine was pretty mild. Yeah. And I, and I know that it was not to some extent, so. Yeah. That's, that's, save that for a different blog. I, I really need Emma, St- I need to have the T, I need to have Emma Stone from Easy A. Have you seen Easy A? What are you no. peeling? It's so hard. Um, no, I have not. What is it? Are you peeling the label? Yes, I'm done with my beer tie. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to do with myself now. I'm trying to talk, and it's like. <laughs> well, usually when you talk, I'm drinking. Well, anyway, so yeah, Rosie's Huntington Whiteley's, and uh, and and she was distracting. And speaking of that, uh, there was a moment in the film which was brutal, just absolutely brutal. Okay. Um, oh, she has some uh, my same birthday. Sorry. <laughs> that's good to know Twin- birthday twins twinsies oh god how old is she yeah probably like 24 oh 25 no she's actually she's almost 30 oh okay gross well there was a uh, just an absolutely brutal moment in the movie um that re- with regard to her uh yes. she didn't have any lines in that scene um and i remember sitting there going oh i don't want to watch this i don't want to watch this i don't want to watch this and they just sort of went through it and it was mostly painless and i was I, but all of the, i was still heaved out i got all the effect that i would have gotten had you shown me anything that i needed to see and i didn't have to go through the pl- unpleasant experience having to see any of it right right i i know exactly what you're talking about and yeah i do appreciate directors who realize that they don't have to show you everything to leave basically the the residual emotional damage that they want to inflict upon you. Right, right exactly. It's, yeah. And it's almost that's a great way to put it, because that's the goal. And it's almost like the um you know, like back in the, the like the forties and fifties when the when the monster movies were big. Um not the monster movies. Monster movies. Um there were directors who knew like they, they didn't have the budget to basically create a monster. So they had to think of ways to create suspense or emotion without showing the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened here. Is mm-hmm. they they gave you enough of it visually, or I'm sorry, he gave you he gave us enough of it visually to gross you out, but just the 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 context of it and the situation was was you know well we're sitting here talking about it 48 hours later, so it was definitely right. you know for something that was on the screen for 90 seconds, it it left a lasting impression. For sure. I felt like the whole movie was handled that way, too. Like, uh, what you got to see of a Morton Joe getting ready, putting his battle armor on and all that stuff. And you never really got to see what he actually looked like or, you know, any of that. There was no reveal. Yeah. And you... And it was fine. And you know, you probably know this, or maybe you don't. Maybe I'm giving you a tidbit. The guy who played Morton Joe was the same guy who was the bat, the leader of the gang in the first one. Okay. The same... The same no, it's not the same character, but it was the same actor. Oh no, I didn't. Which know is that. interesting that they they brought him back. You know, it's almost forty years later. So, mm. by the way, I happened to look this up while we were talking, and it's Rockatansky. Oh, okay. Well, it just seemed too perfect for it to be. 
rock. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're talking about, so you're saying that, oh, okay, Morton Joe was the same guy that played the toe cutter in the first movie, is what you're saying. Is that what is, I don't remember the bad guy's name. Yeah, the, the toe cutter. Yes, yeah, yeah. the same, it's the same actor. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, it was a great experience, like you said, four thumbs up, you should go see it if you haven't. Uh, 3D or not, you're not going to miss anything that way. Uh, anything else we should convey about it? Um, I thought it held up. If you're a fan of the series, um, you're going to be a fan of this movie, and if you're a fan of action movies in general, um, you should like it. If you're a men's rights activist, uh, <laughs> you probably will not like it, or you'll like it and then have weird, conflicted feelings about it. Right. But you should probably just. Uh, if you're a men's rights activist, you should see it and be enlightened. And you should probably just shut up because whatever you're saying on a general day to day basis is probably just a bunch of bullshit. When in doubt, just just shut it down. How do you I think? Stop talking. So how do you think this is going to perform um, over the course of the summer? Like, I mean. As far as box office draw, do you feel like this is the type of movie that's, I mean, it is R. It's it's rated R. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what Age of Ultron is, is rated. Did you see that? I think all Marvel movies are PG-13 okay. or, or, or I have not seen the newest Avengers. Okay. Movie, so, so that kind of intended to never got around to it. So that puts it on a, that, that, you know, gives it, it kind of got a scale, scale it different, but I wonder, I wonder how it's going to do like in the grand scheme of a box office draw because i was i was looking it up it cost 150 million dollars to make this movie wow wow yeah but i'm sure that do you think they made that back first weekend i think they're gonna get close yeah i, I do too um, and i think this is movie's gonna translate well to the international market and that's really the that's the key is that to be able to make a piece of art that's also gonna make money internationally yeah that's that's the trick in hollywood these days because that's why the superhero movies do so well because they blow up or like fast and the furious um, it had it has insane gate both uh, domestically and internationally, and so that's what the studios are worried about now is that 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 Chinese dollar, man. Yeah, yeah, I think this one's gonna perform extremely well. Yeah, it it I mean it feels it well it has international roots, right? I mm -hmm. mean it it came from that, and I feel like it it still echoes kind of kind of those roots in its execution. It doesn't feel doesn't feel glamorous or Americanized. I don't feel. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it'd be like uh, if you, if there, let's pretend that the only Predator movie there ever was was the one with Arnold. Easy. Okay. And, right? Yes. Um, and then let's pretend a Predator movie came out this year that was awesome. It would do really well, even though the, the uh, enthusiasm for the characters had cooled. Yeah. As long as it was well done. So I think it'll do well. I hope, I guess people were a lot more excited about it than I expect them to be. That's for sure. About Fury Road? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see how well it was re I mean, basically being talked about before it even came out. But I remember, I mean, this has been on my calendar for probably more than a year. So mm -hmm. it, it couldn't get here fast enough for me. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. Listen to the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter, MWCB show, or you can email us at MidwestCoastBias at gmail.com. Um, tell your friends. But, uh, you know, send us some uh, topics. You can always call in, too. Uh, there's a secret number. So if you can find the secret number, you can call in and leave your, uh, your intro. We'll use your, your voice at the top of the show. So good luck finding the secret number. Uh, we'll, we'll drop hints every week, right? Right. All right. Other than that, um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night. <laughs>